Welcome to the Cosmic Earth Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Holbrook. I'm an astrologer and spiritual coach, and together we'll be exploring all things astrology, the wisdom of the earth, and both ancient rituals and modern practices to align with and heal your body, mind, heart, and spirit. And of course, we'll cover my favorite subjects, manifestation and magic. I created this podcast to remind you that you are infinite and are a divine piece of this cosmic earth. So if you like what you hear, connect with me and say hi over on Instagram at Rise with Natalie. And I will be seeing you in the stars. Hello, beauties. I am so excited for you to check out today's episode. I sat down with one of my soul aligned clients, Rachel Doyle, who is a dietitian and holistic nutritionist, and she works on the functional side of medicine. And we talk about seven foundational habits for you to get in the mindset of and to get into the habit and practice of to keep you healthy, happy, energized, and to help look at anything that's going wrong. I know I learned so much from her, and I even have a background in holistic nutrition. That's what I did, but she has so much knowledge, and I want to just talk about her chart really quick. I talk about it in our episode, but a few other things that I wanted to add in here so that when you're listening to this, you can see if you resonate with anything that is also in your chart that she also has. And if you don't have your chart in front of you, you can go to my website, natalieholbrookwellness.com, go to map my chart, and you can pull it there. So Rachel is a Sagittarius sun, and she also has her sun next to Mercury, also in Sag, and her MC is in Sagittarius, which means the way that she does her career is going to be very Sagittarius-like, and her Uranus is also there as well. So her Rising sign is Pisces, which means that her 10th house of career is ruled by Sagittarius. And the 10th house is the original energy of Capricorn. So whenever people have a lot of planets in a certain house, then it means that they also take on a lot of the energy of that house. So even though she has three planets and her MC, the MC is just a point in the sky, so we don't call it a planet, in the 10th house, it gives her a ton of Capricorn energy, which is also part of why I wanted her to be within Capricorn season and because we're at the beginning of the new year, obviously. So she has a lot of that. I personally also have a lot of 10th house energy. I feel very Capricorn. I'm very drawn to Capricorn people and Capricorn men. Um, And she uh, has her moon in Virgo in the seventh house, which means that she is great at doing one-on-one relationships, working with clients, working with coaches, and anyone who has a moon in Virgo is usually going to be somehow on some type of path of service or health and wellness or healing. And her sixth house, which is the house of health and wellness and of our day-to-day routine, is ruled by Leo. And so that means that she is the leader in things of health and wellness, that she gets to have a lot of creativity. And please go check out her Instagram because it is so creative. She has these beautiful graphics that she creates and makes. It's so professional. I'm like, girl, this is amazing. Um, Her Instagram is happygut.nutritionist. So go check everything out over there. She also has her Chiron, which is the asteroid of the wounded healer in Cancer, and that rules her fifth house. So whenever a planet, or sorry, whenever a sign 
rules the fifth house, that is the way that these people have fun. So for example, my fifth house is ruled by Sagittarius. So, you know, I spent my 20s traveling so much. I've been to over like 40 countries. Um, that's how I have fun is travel, learning, a lot of fiery type of energy. And for Rachel, her fifth house is ruled by cancer. So the way that she has fun is by doing cancer type of things, which are cooking, being in the home. You know, it's a very uh, watery, emotional, sensitive energy that loves to connect with people and talk about deep things and have fun, right? And it's, I love cancer energy. It's so fun because it's so connected to family and friends and being silly and playing and music and dancing and that's where her Chiron is. So that means that she has some type of wound in this area. And the way that she heals that wound is by becoming the wounded healer, by healing anything that has to do with cancer energy. So her going on this path of becoming a dietitian is actually her healing herself while she's healing others. It's so beautiful. And you guys will be able to hear this in her voice. And lastly, she has her... Um, Jupiter in Taurus, which is that she has the expansion in Taurus energy, which is all about taking care of people. It's about making things beautiful. It's about luxury and indulgence. So with her, there's no skimming on indulgence. It's about being able to enjoy what you want to in the way that you want to while still living a, a healthy life. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and I will catch you on the flip. I am super excited to announce that Kelsey and I have teamed up to bring you guys such a magical experience. It is going to be a virtual event online on Thursday, January 27th from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, so 4.30 Pacific, and it is called Your Highest Lunar Self Workshop, and it is going to be a workshop about learning all the things about your moon sign and how you can truly embody that version of your moon whether you are an Aries a Taurus a Capricorn an air a fire a water an earth what you need to do to best take care of and learn to step into your moon because the moon is so crucial oh my gosh once I learned my moon I was like it all makes sense <laughs> your moon is your emotions it's your needs it's why you feel the way that you do it's where you go when you're stressed it's where you go when you're happy it's your highest of highs it's your lowest of lows and it's like therapy in a bottle once you know your moon sign and of course it makes sense that we're doing this because Kelsey store is called my moon collective and Kelsey has so much magic as well and she is going to be doing a breathwork session and she's going to tailor the breathwork session to each moon sign so it's going to be broken down into what she's calling it elemental breathwork um, which sounds epic and I'm so excited to experience this because I have an air moon and breathwork works really really well for me uh, because it's air you know and I think that it works well for all of us especially if you are an air sign it's like we need to get that flow of air sometimes out of us if you are a fire sign you might have a lot of pent-up energy that also needs to come out and be released if you're an earth sign an earth moon sign sometimes you can feel a little bit stagnant and that you have a lot to move and get through you and it helps to activate you and same thing if you're a water that you can sometimes be very deep in your emotions and your feelings and the breath work really can lift you up and 
allow that rising to begin. So I have the link in our show notes for that. The link is also going to be in my bio uh, on Instagram and you can find it there at Rise with Natalie. Also make sure that you are following Kelsey. It will most likely be in her bio as well at My Moon Collective. Let me make sure that I have their Instagram right. MyMoon.Collective. And it's $33. We wanted to make it super affordable so that you guys can be there. So please come experience the magic and set your new year off right by stepping into how you can best handle your emotions, learn all about that, and be your highest winner self. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cosmic Earth Podcast. I am so excited for our guest today. We have dietitian and one of my dear soul clients and friends, Rachel Doyle. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for being here today. Hi, Natalie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, me too. Okay, so I'm going to read you guys Rachel's bio, but first, let's just talk a little bit about what we're talking about today. We are going to be talking about seven foundational habits for optimizing your health, your happiness, and your energy. Um, so I'm super excited to dive into this because for me personally, uh, Venus has been retrograding through my house of health and wellness. And so I have been on a whole new workout routine. I have been like drinking water with cinnamon. I don't know if you've ever heard about that, but it's supposed to like really help enhance your metabolism and just give you extra benefits of cinnamon. So I'm doing a bunch of things. And so when Rachel and I had this idea, I was like, yes, I can't wait to ask you all the questions too. <laughs> so, all right, Rachel is a registered dietitian that helps people overcome digestive issues and improve their relationship with food with the healing power of holistic nutrition. She works with clients individually and in group programs in her virtual private practice, Rad Nutrition, which I love the name of that. And it's your initials, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. What is your middle name? Anne. That's mine too. I don't Hi. know. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and with a master's degree in nutrition and additional training in integrative and functional nutrition, Rachel uses gut health principles, the mind-body connection, and functional lab testing to help clients find their root cause and regain control of their health. So thank you for being here, Rachel. And tell us just a little bit about yourself. How did you find yourself on this path of being a dietitian and how did you, how did you get here? What was your path before? Yeah, totally. So I actually majored in finance in undergrad, so totally different. And I was working in that world for a few years, but just felt like something was missing. I wanted to do something that I was more passionate about. And I always had felt a calling to help other people. And so I was for quite a few years, interested personally in nutrition and health and fitness. And so, you know, I was kind of digging into all of that. And then I wanted to go back to school and I kept coming back to nutrition for grad school programs. And so I finally decided to quit my job and take the leap and go for it, um, which was definitely the right choice for me. It's, you know, I feel so much more aligned in this career and it's just a lot more fun for me as well. So then also when I was in grad school for nutrition, um, I started to experience some of my own, some more like health issues of my own, probably like, you know, stress was a big contributor to it, but, um, some different things like digestive issues, some skin stuff, 
um, some blood sugar issues. So all kinds of different things. Um, and this kind of got me into the functional medicine, functional nutrition area, because I personally went to go see a functional medicine doctor and that helped me with some of my own issues. Um, and so then after I graduated, I started my private practice and started to dig more into the functional integrative nutrition side. And so that's kind of how I got more into that. Wow. And so what, for anybody who just doesn't know, what does functional nutrition mean? Yeah, great question. Um, of course, I'm just like, you know, used to the term, so don't even think yeah. about that. But so what it means is it's like integrative and functional. So we're looking at the person as a whole, and we're looking for the root cause of the symptoms. So kind of in our typical Western medicine model, we see like, okay, you have this symptom here, take this pill or do this. It's almost like a band-aid approach. Like we're not fixing that underlying cause of why is this happening in the first place? And like everything is connected in the body. And so it all affects each other and has different impacts. So it's kind of that really that root cause approach. So cool. And so necessary, right? It's always about getting to the root. And I have to take a little astrological cosmic break because in Rachel's chart, so first of all, Rachel is a Sagittarius sun. She is a Virgo moon, which is the sign for being a healer, you know, Virgo and Pisces. And, and she's a, also a Pisces rising. So like double hit of being a healer. And especially with having the, the Virgo part, the Virgo is the sign of either a nutritionist or doctor or herbalist or some type of healer because they're saying, what is it that we can actually find and look at the data for and analyze and then bring this into healing? You know, it really is kind of the, the earth goddess who wants to take whatever she finds and help others to, to serve. And it was so funny because when you were talking about, you know, how do we get to that root cause? I was looking at, it was reminding me of Scorpio because Scorpio energy is really like, let's get in there. Let's go to the deep and into the darkness and figure it all out. And, you know, our whole generation, basically everyone who was born between 1983 to 1993 has Pluto, the planet of death and rebirth and transformation in Scorpio. And you have your Venus right next to Pluto. So that means that you actually love doing all of this stuff of the death and rebirth and of going into the darkness and figuring it out. And it rules your house of higher education. So it's like, no matter, no wonder that for higher education, you went and you were like, I'm going to go figure things out. And a lot of things that a lot of people are afraid to, to talk about um, or don't like to like poop, you know, <laughs> and like and Rachel specializes in gut health. So it's like things that other people are like, Oh, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to talk about that. You're like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yep. Talk about poop, like all day with my clients. So <laughs> we get in there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that it's really interesting, too, that you brought up that during school, you became even more stressed and had more health issues. So what do you feel like was was it working then with this functional doctor that helped you to eradicate those issues as well? Yeah, so that was definitely a big part of it. Um, it helped to get rid of some of them. And I still had some lingering gut issues and stuff going on that I continued to dig into as I got more into my own practice. And something else that helped me with that was some of the functional lab testing that I also do with clients. So one of the big tests I use is the GI map stool test. And so 
again, you know, talking about poop, we are <laughs> sending that off to the lab and getting it examined and taking a look at what's going on in the gut microbiome. And so that helped me make a lot more progress too in my own healing. Amazing. Yeah. And you know, as you're a Virgo moon, Virgo rules the digestive system. So it makes sense that you actually even have this intuition because the moon is our intuition. So it's like you naturally have an intuition about the gut and then Scorpio rules. This is kind of a funny one, but Scorpio rules the regenerative um, organs, but also the rectum. And so <laughs> it's like those two combinations, like you found your path woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Great. So let's dive in then to these seven foundational habits. So do you want to just start with the first one for everybody? Yeah, definitely. So the first one, and this one comes first for a reason. It's like one of the first things I do with all my clients and it is make sure that you're eating enough. So, you know, a lot of people, especially if someone comes looking for weight loss, they're like, Oh, I need to eat less. I need to be cutting things out. But so many people are actually under eating, especially um, women and thanks to diet culture in our society, you know, so many of us are not eating enough food to properly nourish our bodies. And this puts stress on the body, it increases your cortisol levels, um, messes with your metabolism and your gut health. And so like one example is a lot of my clients with constipation aren't eating enough. And then once we get them just eating more food across the board, they become more regular. So that simple change can um, have like such a big impact. And so I like to also tell people to think about what you can add to your diet instead of like removing or restricting and focusing on that. So think about ways that you can add more. And you want to also think about eating regularly throughout the day. So I recommend having a meal or snack every three to five hours, not skipping meals. That's like a really good kind of place to start with making sure you're eating enough. Okay. This is such a huge one for me to hear because, um, so I, as you know, battled binge eating for about 15 years, like pretty much from when I was 19 years old. Um, I also had an anorexic bout for a while. Um, and yeah, I really relate and resonate with this because I know even for myself, like even in the last couple of years, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just need to like quickly drop a few pounds. I'll just eat a couple meals a day. You know, what is, what are the implications of that? What happens to your body? Yeah, great question. And thank you for sharing, you know, a little about your story too. That is so common as well with the, you know, different disordered eating patterns and it really ties in with this. And so what happens is when we are especially chronically under eating, like if you, you know, maybe one day you don't eat enough, it's not going to have like a big long-term impact, but if you're chronically doing this, so a big part of it is blood sugar. So when we are, um, if you are like skipping meals or going a long time without eating, your blood sugar goes low and then your body needs to break down, um, like proteins or fats, different things to turn them into glucose, which is what our cells use for energy. And so when your blood sugar drops low, your body puts out more cortisol, which is one of our stress hormones, kind of, it's a way of like alerting the body, Hey, we're not getting enough fuel. Like we need some help, you know? And so 
if this is happening a lot, it's like your stress hormones are higher. So your nervous system is in that fight or flight state a lot more. And this like blood sugar roller coaster of spikes and dips, um, messes with your metabolism and your body. It's almost like your body is, it's doing this to protect you. Right. And, but you know, a lot of us end up experiencing from it, like weight gain or other symptoms like digestive symptoms and stuff. But it's really a way of your body being like, Hey, we're not getting enough fuel and we need, we need some more. (laughs) Yeah. So I know that, you know, we don't really want to do, or like, I always get repelled from calorie counting and all of that. What is a really healthy and easy way for people to make sure that they are getting enough fuel, especially if like for me, for example, I am, I can't eat until 11. Like I am not hungry in the morning. And if I, I remember my dad always being like, you should eat breakfast or, you know, whatever it was. And I was like, Oh no, I can't. Like, it makes me feel sick if I do. Um, two questions there. What do you think about intermittent fasting? I guess you could kind of call it that or like eating later. Right. Um, and then, yeah. How can you tell if you're eating enough? Yeah. Great questions. So With the intermittent fasting, there has been, you know, a lot of research on it recently, and it can be beneficial in a lot of ways, but a couple of things here, and this could be like a whole other podcast episode, but we'll just go into it a little bit. Um, uh, So one thing is that intermittent fasting can be good for certain people, but pretty much only if your metabolism is already in a really good place and you know, your gut health is in a good place. You've got like all the other pieces of health, like sleep and exercise and all that kind of dialed into a really good place, then it can be beneficial. Mm -hmm. But if you are having like other health issues and other things kind of out of balance, then it's almost just like throwing more, you know, fuel into the fire and kind of upping those stress hormones more and probably making things worse. So I typically don't recommend intermittent fasting, at least not, you know, as a baseline for people. And, and then let's see, what was the second question? And then how do we know if we're eating enough without calorie counting or not feeling like I have to eat so much? (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I also like not a fan of calorie counting. You know, I don't like that very restrictive kind of style, but I, what I have my clients do is when we first start together, I have them do like a three-day food journal. So just that, so that I have an idea of like the baseline of where they're at. And from that, where they enter it in, it does calculate their calories and stuff so that I can see where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I just can kind of tell from how much they're eating, what it's like. And then I will take into account, you know, all kinds of different things like their height and their lifestyle and their all these different things to see like around how many calories they should be at. And it's not like a, I don't have them count calories, but it's just to get a baseline where if someone's eating like 1200 calories a day, I'm like, okay, that's not enough. Like we know that you need more, but so instead of you know, calorie counting, what we can do is the first thing, like I said, is making sure you're eating like every three to five hours, keeping it regular. And then also make sure that you're eating enough to where after a meal, you feel satisfied and you don't feel hungry again for at least a few hours. That's like a good place to kind of think of. And then also like balancing our meals, which actually is the second one. So we can go into that too. If... <laughs> Let's go. Okay. (laughs) So 
The second one is balanced meals. And this also is really important for blood sugar balance and a healthy metabolism. And so what I mean by balanced meals is getting fiber, protein, and fat at every meal. So you guys might be familiar with the macronutrients, carbohydrates, protein, and fat, and fiber is a type of carbohydrate. And so um, we like to focus on the fiber. And so a couple things to think about there are think about making like half of your plate non-starchy vegetables. And so that's a really good, just kind of visual way of seeing, you know, that you're, you really making sure you're getting enough veggies and that's where you're going to get a lot of your good fiber. Um, we can also get fiber from things like beans, nuts and seeds, whole grains. So all plant, most plant foods have like whole plant foods have fiber. Mm -hmm. And then you want to aim for like around 20 to 30 grams of protein. And I like to focus on high quality proteins, like organic grass-fed meat, pasture-raised eggs, wild-caught fish, like organic tofu or tempeh, just, you know, some examples. So that quality can make a big difference too in your health and how your body is reacting to that. Um, and then another thing about the balance is I recommend not doing carbs by themselves because it will spike your blood sugar up and then kind of put you on that blood sugar roller coaster. So an example of this is like, say you were going to have an apple or a banana for a snack. That's like, it has fiber, right? But it's pretty much just carbs. So we want to add some protein or fat. So maybe do like add some peanut butter or something that helps to like balance it and helps your body slow down the absorption of those carbs, which keeps your blood sugar more steady. Mm. And so, okay. What are some examples of the non-starchy carbohydrates just for people to get that visual into their head? Yeah. Great question. Um, so this is honestly most vegetables. So if you think of like broccoli or dark leafy greens or like bell peppers, um, Brussels sprouts, like any, most vegetables, um, except for like potatoes. So any kind of potato is going to be starchy. Some of the like winter squashes are starchy. Um, stuff like that. But for the most part, most vegetables will fit in there. And not that you like, don't want any of the starchy vegetables, but we're just focusing on kind of getting more of those non-starchy ones. And is that something that should be kind of like for lunch and dinner? Should that be all three meals? What do you think for that? Yeah. So it could definitely lunch and dinner, and then it could be breakfast. A lot of people maybe aren't as, you know, used to doing veg veggies at breakfast. So yeah. sometimes I'll like have them do fruit instead. And fruit is typically higher in carbs and sugar than vegetables are, but it still has a lot of vitamins and fiber and good nutrients. So breakfast is lots of times a good time to get that fruit or you can still get veggies though. You know, you can put some veggies in like an egg scramble or omelet. You can do a smoothie. Um, because breakfast also doesn't have to be like what we think of as typical breakfast, like pancakes or a bagel or cereal or whatever, you know, you can eat other kinds of foods for breakfast too, but yeah. Yeah. What do you, what are your favorite go-to recommended breakfast items? And then also question about oatmeal. So since oatmeal is just a starchy carb, 
would you add like almond butter and protein powder to that? Or what's the, oh, I love oatmeal. So I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love oatmeal too. This kind of, I get to answer both with one because I do oatmeal for breakfast a lot. And so you're right that it is a starchy carb and, and it does have fiber too, but you know, not really much protein or fat. So I do add protein powder. Um, I personally like plant protein powder. So I'll do like a vanilla or a chocolate one. Cause it adds some nice flavor too. And then, yeah, I'll add some nut butter or seeds and those both have fat and protein. And then sometimes I'll do like a little collagen powder too, which also has some more protein and that collagen. And then, and that just doesn't have a flavor. So it's easy to add. Um, and then I'll usually do like some berries or sometimes I'll do maybe like shredded carrots or even mix in some like riced cauliflower or something to kind of sneak some veggies in there too. Ooh. So is that like, if you are doing a more savory oatmeal bowl? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love savory oatmeal bowls too. And I have a friend who hates them. And every time that I I make them now, I send it to her. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, look at this. Yum. (laughs) Yeah. Like there was one that I was doing where it was like olives and kale and hemp seeds. Oh, so delicious. Oh, that sounds so good. I have to try that. Yeah. With a little olive oil. So bomb. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Like I'll do sometimes zucchini too. That's a good one in there. Almost like a zucchini bread. Ooh, oh, yes. I like yes. that. <laughs> okay. And then it's, is it the same thing then with, cause I know so many people and myself included drink smoothies for breakfast. So same type of thing where it's just like, make sure you're adding in that protein and fat. Yeah, totally. So I feel like smoothie is another one of my favorite breakfasts too. Um, but yeah, smoothies can be like sometimes they can have way too much sugar or they might like not have enough, you know, just calories or whatever to be a meal. So I want to make sure I'm putting enough stuff in there. So I definitely always do some kind of veggie. So it's usually spinach or kale, like frozen is the easiest. Um, but sometimes I'll also put like cauliflower or zucchini. Those are some good ones. Um, sometimes beets anyway. So always some veggies. And then I always do a fruit like banana is good to make it creamy or like pineapple or mango or something, maybe some berries. And then, yeah, definitely protein powder, like some nut butter. Um, and then you can add some other fun stuff, like sometimes, you know, put some ginger in there or some cinnamon or some other spices just to get an extra boost. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, yum. I love that. And okay. This is kind of an off, but going off of smoothies. Do you, I know that there's certain like diet plans that I had used to do, or sometimes if I'm in a hurry or if I want a light dinner, um, that there's recommended to have smoothies at night. What do you think about that? And I feel like that even kind of comes into play with like food combining of like having fruit after potentially other heavy meals. And I personally have noticed that if I have a smoothie at night, I'll feel bloated. So I don't know if that's common. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's interesting. I think that, I think it can depend on the person. So I I like never really do smoothies for dinner. I don't know if I've even ever tried it. Like, I don't think of it. It's like breakfast or lunch or a snack usually, but that's interesting that you say that. And I haven't seen it come up with many clients either. Um, but yeah, it could also be like all that fiber, Mm. you know, and maybe at night that it's kind of 
making you bloated or throwing your digestive system off a little bit. Yeah. Um, Because it will, it'll like feel heavy and I don't, I don't really do it anymore, but I just remember, I mean, now I never do it because I'm like, I don't want to feel bloated. And I know that that's how it'll make me feel. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause it's also kind of like a light meal, you know, it's not like you're eating a huge, heavy meal, but yeah. Yeah. I do feel like, cause I used to follow, do you know, Kimberly Snyder? No, she's a vegan nutritionist. And when I went through my vegan phase, I would follow like her food combining and all of that. And it says to not eat fruit on a full stomach. And I, sometimes I even wonder like, am I just doing this to myself? Because I also believe that subconsciously, you know, <laughs> and right. it, like, that sense. yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. I hadn't heard of that. Um, that's funny though, that you say I went through a vegan phase as well for a couple of years. Um, so yeah, just exploring yeah. the different diets. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I feel like anyone who works in health, you almost have to go through all of these different fads and trends to figure out what works for you and what works for other people. Mm-hmm. Right. I know I've tried so many of them. It's like, while I was in grad school for a while, I was vegan. And since then I've like, tried paleo for a little bit and, you know, kind of tried a bunch of the other things and ultimately come to like, um, just a lot more balance and that I don't want to be on any diet. And so, but yeah, it can take kind of trying those different things to find what works. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with vegan, I know, and this kind of leads into the next one, but that there were definitely a lot of minerals being lost and vitamins and yeah. Right. Okay. So should we go into number three? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So number three is minerals and or electrolytes. So there's a lot of different minerals, but the ones we're going to focus on today are sodium, potassium, and magnesium. And then also vitamin C, which is obviously a vitamin, not a mineral, but it's going to tie in with this little um, piece as well. So some reasons why we need, um, to supplement with some extra minerals is because our soil is depleted. Like, you know, traditionally soil is very mineral rich. And then that goes into the plants and we eat them and we get those minerals, but because of our modern day farming practices, like monocrops and things like that, our soil is depleted of those minerals. And then another reason is that when your body's like in the stress response, our adrenals burn through these nutrients, like specifically the sodium, potassium, magnesium, and vitamin C. And so most of us need some extra support, like supplemental support to get them in. And so these are really important because they are, they like hydrate your cells. So if you think about, you know, you're hydrating, you're chugging water all day, but then maybe you're like peeing all the time and you still feel thirsty. I find this with a lot of people and if you add in some of these minerals or these electrolytes, you know, once or twice a day to your water, um, I've seen like such big improvements in that and in the like hydration status. And also they're really important for energy production, for good digestion, um, good bowel movements and gut health, blood sugar balance, metabolism, stress management. So there's like, minerals are so foundational And so many people are lacking in these. And so my favorite way to get extras is with adrenal cocktails or mineral mocktails. So Mm -hmm. there is, yeah. 
So fun. Um, so I do like one or two every day and I have all my clients do them too. Um, there is the brand jigsaw adrenal cocktail. It's a powdered one that you can add to your water. And then I like to add like a little splash of juice for flavor, or you can make your own. So to make your own, you'll use like coconut water for the potassium. You'll do some sea salt, um, some kind of juice. So like fresh lemon or lime, or maybe orange juice, and then add some magnesium powder. And if you guys are interested in more recipes, I have a bunch up on Instagram. So you can check out some different mineral mocktail recipes on there as well. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I want to order this jigsaw thing. I want to look at these recipes and you guys, Rachel's Instagram is amazing. It's so informative and so cute the way that she designs everything. Go check it out. What's your drop your Instagram for us right now. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It uh, is happy nutritionist. Okay. So happy nutritionist. go look at it. Um, wow. I, I personally feel like this is probably something I definitely need to start doing because I know that even over this winter season, you know, I went through a heartbreak. I moved, I am kind of restructuring a lot of things in my business. And so I've had a lot on my mind where I'm like, I just feel exhausted. And sometimes I'm like, I would just, I like fantasize about a day in bed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Am I just really tired? Like what's going on with me? So, but I feel like this is like speaking to me. Like my intuition is like, yes, this is the piece. Yeah. So everybody like, mocktail girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if, if you guys listening are feeling that too, like try this out and you know, it's so nice that there are companies that just make this for you. And, but at the same time, it's like getting coconut water, getting some good salt, right. And getting lemons or lime is so simple. Mm -hmm. How much coconut water do you need? Is it just like a splash, like an ounce? No. So we, I do more coconut water. So I'll do like maybe eight ounces, kind of like, you yeah. know, the majority of the glass is coconut water. And then I'll do like a quarter teaspoon of sea salt. And you mentioned too, like you want it to be a high quality salt. So yeah. maybe like a Celtic sea salt, or I like Redmond's real salt. Those are some good options. So like a quarter teaspoon of that. And then um, ju the juice of like maybe a half lime or, you know, a quarter lemon kind of play around with that to see for your taste as well, or maybe like a couple ounces of orange juice or grapefruit or whatever. Yeah. Oh, this sounds fun. I mean, I don't drink, so this can be my new drink. <laughs> yeah. Right. Out on dates. I love it. Jigsaw in. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It makes it fun. It's like, and I think a lot of people too, probably right now are doing like dry January and, you know, so it could be a fun time to try out some more creative ones too. Cause you can also like, you know, muddle some herbs and put some different, basically like make it a fun cocktail, but also good for your adrenals and getting those minerals in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love cocktails that have, um, like mocktails that I don't drink anymore, but like rosemary or sage or something. So I feel like those would be really good too. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. I um, always think of I have to go to the store. I'll be right back. Yeah. Mocktails. Yeah. Okay. Well, I seriously like after this call, I'm like, gotta go buy some coconut water. Um, okay. So what are the next ones? Okay. So next up is 
moving out of the food a little bit and it is daily movement or exercise. And so this is a big one. Obviously we all know that, um, movement exercise is good for our physical health, right? But it's also good for your metabolism, your gut health, your mental health. Like it's good across the board. Right. But it doesn't have to be like an intense workout or a formal workout. You don't have to like go to a class or go to the gym. It can be as simple as going for a walk outside, doing some yoga or stretching at home, or just like working in little movement breaks into your day. This can make a really big difference, but like making a point to move your body every day in some way. Absolutely. And so for people who are like, oh my gosh, I can't go to a class or, or even the mentality sometimes of like, I know in California, going to fitness classes was so expensive, you know, like at least between like 25 to $35. I remember when I lived in San Francisco and everyone was going to Barry's bootcamp and it was like $33 a pop. <laughs> so crazy. How yep. much would you say, like go on like at least like a 20 minute walk or something? Like what's the simplest, cheapest, you know, free thing that we can do? Yeah. Great question. And I, um, I used to do Barry's boot camp and like, I've tried all the fitness classes. So yeah, I'm there. Um, and they're fun too. But anyway, so I think walking is my favorite one. I love just like going for a walk outside because you get the double benefit of like fresh air and nature and the movement. So that's my favorite. And I think we don't even have to put like a time, you know, stamp on it or whatever. It could even be like, maybe you have time to do a few different, like 10 minute walks throughout the day. It doesn't have to be all at once. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think a lot of us also get like, okay, either I do an hour long workout or it doesn't count, but you know, just getting that movement in. So walking. And then another is, um, like I always just have my yoga mat laid out in my office over there and I'll take little breaks and, you know, do a down dog, do some stretches, whatever, and just kind of work it in. So that's another good one. Um, and then if you do like the classes more, there are tons of like good free exercise classes on YouTube. If you, you know, don't want to pay for the classes or just want to get in like a 30 minute yoga or Pilates at home or something, that's an option too. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite is walking also. I mean, I've been going back to the gym and doing, um, I've been using this app where it actually tells you what machines to use and it has like supersets and stuff. And that's so cool. It's called VShred. I wish I had, I was like an affiliate or something, but I'm not, but it's just <laughs> awesome. Cause I feel like if you are not somehow trained or have worked with a trainer before on what machines to use, it can be really intimidating. And that's been so good, but I'm totally with you on going on walks as well, because I know for me, when I just get outside, that's also when a lot of my ideas flood in and that feels so good. And just to like remove yourself from the monotony or even just from your house or from your work, it's so necessary to take that break. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that too, um, that the ideas, the creativity flows. Um, and also that app sounds fun. I'll have to check it out because I love strength training and stuff too. So yeah, yeah. It's good, especially if you don't have like, I don't really have time. I was going to F45 for a while, but I'm like, I don't have time to even go to a 45 minute class sometimes, you know? And even though I'm like, I'm going to make this time, it's easier for me to just hop in my car five minutes to the gym. I can bust this thing out in 25 minutes. And like that to me feels like, okay, I got this self-care in. I feel really good. I feel strong. And yeah, it feels great. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So I see you have sleep as the next one. My favorite activity as a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sleep. So this is another big one that a lot of us, especially if we're busy, we might like put it on the back burner, think that it's not that important, but sleep is so important for your metabolism and your gut health. And of course, just how you feel. Like we all know we feel like junk if we don't sleep well. So you want to aim for like seven to nine hours a night, try to get a consistent bedtime and wake up time, even on the weekends, if you can, that like helps to set your circadian rhythm. And that also connects with like your gut and your gut has its own circadian rhythm. So there's like all these other layers with sleep beyond just getting that rest, but that's when your body like physically and mentally kind of repairs itself and restores. So yeah, <laughs> sleep is so. I'm, I'm like not a person you want to be around if I don't get a good sleep. <laughs> but what is talk about the circadian rhythm? And then I love that you said there's a circadian rhythm to our gut. Also, I know that we hear about circadian rhythm a lot, but what is it for those who don't know? And probably yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, okay, the circadian rhythm. It is your body's like internal clock, and it's a 24 hour clock and we, you guys have maybe heard of it and you might think of it as that kind of like your sleep wake cycle, you know, and it is totally that. So there's, there's like a master clock and then there's these other multiple circa- different circadian rhythms in your body and your gut is one of them. So the gut microbiome has its own circadian rhythm. And so how you're sleeping can impact this. And then that can impact the balance of like good versus bad gut bugs and other things going on in your microbiome which can then of course influence like digestive issues or other, you know, symptoms going on as a result. So if we are, so we, that's why we want to be on that schedule because the circadian rhythm, it's a rhythm. It likes that schedule. It likes knowing what to expect. And so typically, you know, and we don't have to be super rigid about it, but it's like good to kind of follow along. It follows along with the sun as well. And so If you think about, you know, you're staying up till like 3 a.m. or something and sleeping until noon, that's like not as good for your circadian rhythm as if you're going to bed at like 10 and waking up at, you know, seven or something like that. That's a little more aligned. And something else that can help sync up your circadian rhythm is getting sunlight exposure throughout the day. So getting like first thing in the morning, exposing your eyes to the sunlight and it can be through a window, you know, if it's, you can't get out or whatever, but, and then midday and then around like in the evening around sunset time too, that's like a big thing that can help set your circadian rhythm and help improve sleep too. Wow. So that even sounds like, you know, for someone who can't exercise, or if you want to take your own breaks to go walk or something to do that during those times, like morning, afternoon, and evening, just for 10 minutes to also then influence your body circadian rhythm and your gut circadian rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I'm like starting this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get out there. (laughs) I'm a sun lover, so so it's not hard for me there. Um, But, you know, gut health is your specialty. So kind of speaking on, on that, are there any common issues that you see or common mistakes that you see people doing when maybe they're trying to fix their own gut health or they're constantly bloated or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all of the list of all the gut issues that we've all experienced and that you see every day. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So one, the first mistake I would say is under eating. And we already talked about that, you know, in the beginning. So that's definitely a big one. Another one is stress and kind of ignoring stress as an underlying cause of gut issues and thinking that, um, that you can heal from the gut issues while still being like really stressed out and you can't like, (laughs) it's not possible. You know, you might take different supplements and change your eating and get better for a little bit. But if you're really, really stressed, these issues are going to keep coming back. And so that can be a really tough, a tough part because we're all stressed, right? Like our world is stressful. We're all, our society is stressful. We're all busy, you know, running around a million different places. And so that can be one of the hardest things to address with clients is actually working on like those stress management practices, you know, setting boundaries, taking time for self-care. And we all like talk about this kind of stuff, but it's, it can be harder to actually implement it, but that is a really big one also. Um, and then another one in terms of, you know, mistakes when trying to heal your gut is like going on really restrictive diets without Mm -hmm. any guidance, like just kind of finding different restrictive diets, looking on the internet or trying like random probiotics and random supplements and just kind of, you know, especially the restrictive diets, cutting all this stuff out without like the help of a professional can be really detrimental and just make things even worse than where you started. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, from coming from someone who had SIBO, you know, five years ago or so, and had a plethora of gut issues. I agree. I remember that the way that I healed my SIBO was that I worked with a functional nutritionist, also this amazing woman named Mary Vance in San Francisco. And I went in, had one consultation and she was like, here's what you need to do. Here are the supplements. And within two months I was good, you know, and that was amazing. And then I also used olive leaf. Do you ever give people olive leaf for any type of gut issues? Not usually. I haven't used that one before, but that worked well for you. Oh gosh. Yeah. Cause then there was another doctor a few years later that I saw, cause they kept coming back the SIBO. It came back in a very mild form and he did. It was, it was very interesting. He, I don't know if you're familiar with the girl on Instagram, her name's little sipper is her <laughs> handle, <laughs> but she had a lot of gut issues. She has a huge following and she talks about this. And, um, I was living in LA at the time and I messaged her and I was like, can you please give me the information of whoever this doctor is? And so she gave me his info. He came over to my house. He was this older Mediterranean, I don't know, or like Persian man. And he gave me the stomach massage and he was like, I want you to just cut out um, all dairy, all gluten, and then blend your foods for 10 days, blend your chicken, like blend everything and then have olive leaf. And I was like, this sounds crazy. but I still did it. And I took the olive leaf every night and it did heal. So, I mean, there's so many things that are sometimes so wacky, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anytime that I actually have any gut issue now, I take the olive leaf supplement and it, it's just like, it's such a yes to my body, you know? Yeah. It's really, it's such a journey and so individual, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, And it is so individual. That's the thing why I think, you know, getting help can be so important if you're struggling with it, because it's so individualized. And 
yeah, everyone's different and it can be hard to navigate that on your own. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that the stress piece is always there, you know, especially for people who have their own business or who are starting a business or who, I mean, look at all of the top stressors in life, right? It's like moving, losing a loved one, a breakup, um, like starting anything new, essentially moving to a new city. And how often do we all experience that? And how present was all of those different aspects in some way during COVID, right? And I mean, we're still in COVID, right? I always talk about it like it's something that it's done, but like during this pandemic. And yeah, I think that the stress piece is so huge. I know that every time that I've had gut issues, it's because there's been massive stress in my life. So are there any techniques that maybe you've seen across the board that have definitely helped people with their stress? Yeah. So again, it can be individual and I think everyone has to find like what works for them. But so I'll actually go into our, I think it's our sixth one, because this is a big one for stress and it is mindful eating. And so this, I love mindful eating because it, it makes our food experiences more enjoyable for one. And then it also helps us connect with our bodies And it's so, so important for good digestion. So if you are dealing with things like bloating or acid reflux or other, you know, stomach pains, any other digestive issues, start by like paying attention to how you're eating. Are you scarfing down your food, just like inhaling it in front of the computer, not even thinking about it? Um, Do you barely chew? And if so, like this is somewhere where, you can make a really big impact. So I've seen with a lot of my clients with digestive issues that just from slowing down and chewing their food, eating mindfully that their symptoms improved so much, like just from that simple change. And so like how to do it, right? How do we do it? It is, so you want to set aside like at least 15 to 20 minutes for your meal, you know, make sure you have time to eat, Um, sit down at a table, get rid of distractions, like don't eat in front of the computer or TV or your phone, turn down like loud music, anything that is like hyping up your nervous system. We want to kind of clear that out for mealtime, um, to get your body into that rest and digest state. And then to bring in the mindful piece even more is you want to use all your senses. So look at your food, smell it, of course, taste it and feel the texture of it. Like you're really using all your senses. And then you want to make sure you chew your food really well, like to applesauce consistency. And Mm -hmm. that's really important because chewing starts the digestive process. And, you know, we're breaking down the food and it starts the cascade of releasing enzymes to digest it. So if we don't chew, we're not going to digest our food properly. And that's why we're getting or one reason why we're getting so many of those symptoms. Um, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And I, you know, I'm all about that life. (laughs) I'm all about savoring every bite and like sitting and, you know, what's funny is that, so this is again, so Taurus of me. Um, (laughs) but when I was young, so I have always been a really slow eater. Like I just like to do things on my own time. I, I take long to do a lot of things, like, so, but you know, one of those is eating. And even when I was a little girl, I think I was maybe like eight or nine years old. 
and there was a mean girl in my school and we were sitting together and she was like, Natalie, you are always so slow. Why do you take so long to eat? And I remember I went home to my mom and I cried and I was like, this girl said that I was so slow. And my mom was like, I'm going to have a talk with her, <laughs> you know, turned into like wild mama bear. <laughs> but that's always been something. And I remember a few years ago, I was on this, um, this retreat type of thing in Puerto Rico where they teach you all about different ways of eating and food. And it was actually all raw vegan, which obviously we don't recommend, but they had these really beautiful workshops about mindful eating where we would sit there with our food and no one could talk. And you just had to sit and eat in silence for 30 minutes. And it was so hard for everyone, right? Because especially since we're used to sitting and eating and talking and it's this enjoyable experience, which is, I think, an amazing part of food is being able to enjoy it with other people. But there still can be this point where we're not paying attention to what we're actually eating or to the food or like you said, actually chewing it. Um, so yeah, so, so crucial. And it makes such a difference too when you sit and you're like, oh, I love my food and I got to make this or I got to buy this or I ordered this. And literally you look at your plate and you're like, thank you. Like I always pray over my food. I'm like, thank you to the farmers. Thank you to the cow. Thank you to, you know, whatever it is. And I think that even that experience makes it more sacred and you actually feel what's going into your body and pay attention. Yes, totally. I think like that gratitude for it is so big and knowing where your food came from and appreciating that is another like big part of mindful eating. So I'm glad you brought that up too. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Our final tip. Yay. We made it. Number seven, lucky number seven. <laughs> um, so this one is having a morning routine and this helps to set the tone for your day. So I recommend doing something for yourself first thing in the morning, like before you look at your phone or your computer, like before I go to bed at night, I put my phone out in the other room. Like I don't take it with me and I don't look at it until after I have kind of done my morning routine. And that helps me like center myself for the day and, you know, just, just feel good and kind of set the tone. And it doesn't have to be an elaborate routine. So even just like five to 10 minutes can make a huge difference. Um, and pick something that you enjoy. So just because you see like this person on Instagram getting up at 5 a.m. every day, going for a run, doing yoga, meditating, journaling, drinking a green juice, whatever, like that doesn't mean that that has to be your routine too. And so it can be way smaller than that. And so I recommend starting with like one thing, especially if you're not doing this yet. You know, you can go for a walk or do a meditation, read a book, do a gratitude journal. Um, but it's about finding something that you're enjoying, you know, don't, you don't want it to be like another chore. This is something that's really for you. And it also doesn't have to be the same every day. So some days my morning routine can be like going for a walk. Another day, it might be a meditation or another day it could be journaling. You know, it's not the same every single day, but but I commit to like doing something every morning. And that's, that's the big part. That's the most important to me about it. And that I've found to be like really helpful for other people too. What does your morning routine look like? I know you said it always varies, but what are your top favorites? Yeah. So meditation is one of the top favorites and I do that most mornings. So 
some kind of meditation and it'll vary. Sometimes I will just, you know, do it myself, like lay down, close my eyes and go inward and meditate and just come back to it when I feel ready. And then other times I'll do a guided meditation. So that's kind of where it can change up too. But that I also love journaling, whether it's, you know, doing some gratitude journaling or just getting my thoughts out, maybe things that I'm like stressed about or that are on my mind. Um, and then walking is lots of times too, especially like in the summer or the warmer months, lots of times a walk is in there. Um, yeah, those are my favorites. Those are my favorites too. That's so funny. That, and then I always pull a card. I do. I love, I'm obsessed with Oracle cards. My favorite decks are either the roomy ones by Alana Fairchild or, um, the work your light by Rebecca Campbell. And you know, the roomy ones are really long. So I don't know if you've, it's the same author though, of the white light ones that, that you have. Yeah. You know, it's long. I don't know. Are are the white light ones kind of long too? They're kind of long. They're it's like a few pages. Yeah. 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 I love doing that too, though. Those are so fun. Yeah. It really sets the day. And then I feel like it's always just like, this is exactly what I needed. And that enhances that trust in the universe, you know? Totally. Yeah. I love a good like meditation and then do one of those. And yeah, that's great. And oh, one more thing that I add is I always start my day with a glass of water. So actually usually an adrenal cocktail, bringing back in one of our other ones is that's the first thing I drink. So before I eat, before I do any like coffee or tea or whatever, always water to kind of rehydrate. Um, So that kicks off my morning routine. Yeah. That's so good. I do the same thing. I scrape my tongue. I have to scrape my tongue. And then I always have water right by my bed because I, not that I wake up dehydrated, but I know that it's time, you know, you have to have that water to energize and everything. So yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) And one final question for you. Thank you so much for all of this amazing information. But as this podcast is called Cosmic Earth, what does it mean to you to live and to experience being in this cosmic earth that we get to partake in? I love that question. So I think to me, it means getting more in touch with your inner self and getting to know yourself better, you know, as a part of the universe and then allowing that you know, as you get deeper with yourself, you can share that with others too. And so maybe whether that's through your work and, you know, helping people in that way or being a good friend or partner or whatever it is, kind of sharing that with others too and seeing that beauty in other people as well. Oh, I love that so much. So (laughs) true. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much. And I want to just acknowledge you for all of your wisdom. You are such a Sag. <laughs> she has so much wisdom, as you guys can tell. And that is the, the point of, of Sagittarius, which is also her 10th house, which is her career where she shines. Um, but thank you for sharing all of this. Thank you for going on this journey yourself, you know, and for taking that initiative and listening to that voice for then you to experience all of these things and to share this plethora of knowledge and be so tapped in. Um, I know that it's part of your vision and part of your mission to just help and serve. So thank you for being all of that for us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Natalie. And thanks for having me. This was so fun. And yeah, I appreciate you so much. Yeah. So tell us where people can find you and then how people can work with you. Because I know you have 
some an upcoming event that people could be a part of or any upcoming challenge? Yeah, totally. So you can find me on Instagram at happygut.nutritionist and then also my website, which I'm sure Natalie will put in the show notes. And then also right now I have um, a 14 day gut reset challenge and we will also link that in the show notes. And so what it is, is we go through some different gut health habits. Some of them are similar to the ones we talked about today, but there are also some different ones in there and you'll get, you know, email support throughout it, kind of keeping you on track and taking you through adding each of these habits in. We add like one at a time so that it's kind of easier to do. And these are some of the like foundational gut health habits. So this is good for anyone, right? Like these are habits that anyone can do. It's great for your health. Um, but then if you are having digestive issues, it can be extra helpful. So check that out. Absolutely. And when does that start? Um, oh, so it's actually just like evergreen. It's always going on. So you can sign up at any time, just go to the link and sign up. And then you will, I think the next day start getting the emails for the challenge. So, oh my goodness, that's amazing. I'm going to sign up. I, I think everyone probably needs to sign up. Even if you feel like, yes, I'm regular, you know, there's always things that we can optimize. So Amazing. Yeah, we will link that in the show notes. And thank you so much, Rachel, for being here. Thank you for these seven foundational tips. I can't wait. I got to go. I'm out the door buying my coconut water right now. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Natalie. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cosmic Earth Podcast. If you did, share it with your soul family and don't forget to leave a review and subscribe. And if you want to stop playing small and step further into living the life you know you came here for, send me a message over on Instagram at risewithnatalie and make sure to follow along for cosmic inspiration and guidance from the stars. Thank you guys again for listening and go out there and find some magic today.